Okay, so today we're going to interview Father Martin Newell, who is a Catholic priest and highly involved in the Catholic worker movement, and particularly the Trident Plowshares. He has a particular focus in uh, justice to do with the Trident Arms Programme in the United Kingdom and with the arms trade, and particular action in terms of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, Father Martin has um, taken this uh, to its length in terms of actually being going to prison as a result of um, taking some of these actions. So Martin is very good, and it's very good to have you with us today, Martin. It's good to be here. Um, so thanks, Martin. We'll start straight away with uh, some questions I've got, and it'd be really interesting to hear your views. Um, and so the audience um, that we're talking to today is coming from an emerging church, fresh expression, new forms of church perspective. So um, that's the sort of angle I'm going to take. So, Martin, in your, um, in your career, it sounds like justice is very important to you. Um, what is your perception of the, of the place of justice in the Christian spiritual life? And how did you um, get so involved in political action? Okay, I, I guess I'd start, I mean, how, how I got involved, um, how I came to see this as being central to being a Christian, um, goes back sort of 20 years. I basically was, first of all, a friend lent me the book Rich Christians in Age of Hunger, which you may know about. Yes. Yeah. So on Cider, you know, where it basically says, puts the point that you know the Christian countries of the world where Christians are in the position yeah, you know, in the position of for example the rich man in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. You know, we we've got the wealth and the vast majority of the world are poor and what we're gonna do about it. Mm. Um and that I was very challenged by that and I I, <coughs> I finished reading that book on the train on the way to Birmingham. I was going to spend some time with the Ash Christian community called the Ashram community in Birmingham. And when I was when I got there, I heard uh, Jim Wallace speak. All right. And I remember he, you know, him with his his I think called the Poverty Bible with the, all the verses out the poor and that uh, cut out and saying, you know, there's a there's a lot a lot of this Bible missing, and this is our Bible because we cut out the dimension of our faith that relates to justice and and poor, peace and the poor and riches. And then I spent some time at this ashram community, Christian community in, in the city of Birmingham, working with the local Muslim population in the kind of ghetto area. And they were basically putting into practice the kind of faith that these people were talking about. And then I happened to be going on a week's retreat to Teze in France and really had a kind of crisis of faith there where I understood that this kind of commitment to working for peace and justice and the option as an option for the poor, preferential option for the poor, was was I could see that this was basically a, a central part of being a Christian, being a disciple, and I had to choose whether I was going to follow that path or not. Uh, if I had, mm. if I had, I came to a point where I decided that if I believed in God, if I had faith in God, then I had to begin doing that, and it was a question of whether I trusted God enough or not to begin on that path. Of, changing my life and I decided that I was going to take that risk I guess and started slowly but um, I did start that path soon after that I discovered Catholic social teaching which I've never heard of before in my life <laughs> as a cradle Catholic and that was another kind of um, piece of the jigsaw for me that trying to find out how as a Catholic this, this, this was how what the Catholic Church had to say about this and because I just the agenda was coming to me from the kind of um, evangelical movement, really. Mm. So um, then, I guess later on, in terms of 
having learnt more and become more engaged in social political action and commitment, um, uh, I think particularly came across um, the Catholic Worker Movement really, that had been a big inspiration and challenge to me of people um, being willing and able to take direct action um, as, as a way of living their discipleship. Right. And I particularly remember reading an article by a guy who spent some time in prison talking about, this is back in the 50s or 60s, saying the prisons of the new monasteries and talking about that in terms of you know, spending time in a cell, in contemplative life, and also in terms of the, you know, the original monastic movement being a movement to the margins of society away from comfortable Christianity um, and experience of real poverty alongside the poor. Um, and that whole kind of, it, it was specifically reading the Catholic Worker paper, also coming across liberation theology, yeah. Um, were things that it, you know, parts of the Bible, parts of my faith that had made a limited amount of sense before suddenly started to make a lot more sense. And I, you know, from this perspective, I understood my faith in a much stronger way. So I was really confirmed in my faith by by going into these things and and these experiences that it all made, you know, gradually started started to make a lot more sense mm. of of the whole the whole of my faith and the whole of the Bible. So in, just going back for a minute then, so, so there's a kind of growing sense then of um, the Catholic social teaching yeah. and that radical thing that comes out of liberation theology yeah. became the focus of your faith from being more creedal. Is that correct? Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't really consciously say what my faith was before that point in a right. sense. I, uh, I mean, I was brought up a Catholic. I know that I believed in God. I went to Mass. Um, I had a. I would say that I already had a real relationship with 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 God or with Jesus or whatever before yeah. before this. I, I guess it was an experiential faith without much content. You could say. <laughs> okay. Without you know without yeah. Yes, and I'm really interested because so, a lot of groups, including Muto, are very interested in the new monasticism focus and yeah. and the position of friars. And it sounds I'm very interested by the idea of the prison being the new monasteries. Mm-hmm. So do, so do you see that your direct action actually having a lot of relevance to kind of a, a rule of life in terms of a Franciscan and maybe even a friar approach that somehow your direct action is part of living out a spiritual rhythm? I think it is actually. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Um, I think it is. I think um, I mean part of you know the Catholic worker um, life. Uh, we talk about three you know three themes: community, hospitality, and resistance. And the resistance part of that, you know, part of that involves direct action and certainly being on the streets um, with with leaflets and flyers and placards and praying and, and vigiling in those contexts. Also, you know, risking arrest and going to police stations and prisons. I think it is it is part of the rule of life in a way, yeah. a part of a, a regular practice, uh, and it, it is a good discipline, I think, to see society from that marginal perspective, from alongside people who are there, but in that place for different reasons, um, and to to feel the weight of you know the the power structures, in a sense, from a different perspective, mm. and not always to be part part of the privileged groups of society, which you know they tend to come from, basically. Yes. Um, so yeah, 
it's also you know it's part of a rhythm in that sense part of the rules also part you know what is the point of rules in, in the first place well it's a discipline a discipline being something that is spiritually productive i think i think it is spiritually productive um you know something that you have to also rely on you know god's grace the holy spirit to to do the right thing and to to be able to do it at all to have the strength to do it and um and also the 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 hope you know you, you need hope and you need patience because there's no quick results you know yeah uh-huh. i'm very interested in the focus on resistance um and um, and the focus that being within the Catholic worker movement. Could you say a bit more about that? Is that resistance against of injustice? In, well, that? injustice and violence as being the, op- you know, the opposite of justice and peace, if you like. What we're aiming for is justice and peace with the whole of creation, if you like. And, and where there is injustice and violence, I think we as Christians are called to play our part in responding to that and, and opposing, opposing that and trying to create something more positive. Um, so, in, yeah, creating more positive is other, you know, the community building, the hospitality work that we do is, um, if you like, the, the, the more positive aspect. And then there's the opposing the power structures, the powerful and rich, um, in in the in the injustice and in the in the, in the violence that they use to protect their privilege, that privilege, and protect our privileges. Okay. No, yeah. it's, a, it's a big thing going to prison. I mean, what did that feel like? Well, that must have really tested you a lot. Yeah, I mean, my first experience of being in custody was, I was 24 hours in a police cell with sharing a cell with a young man, East Timor. Um, and, you know, this was in the case of um, we'd gone to British Aerospace Base and British Aerospace were exporting uh, planes to Indonesia and Indonesia was using them in the occupation of East Timor. That was a very profound kind of experience of being in solidarity with the poor that are oppressed or are being oppressed by us. Yeah. And it was their struggle that we were called to join with them. And I was a real, that, that was, that was, that was, that was a profound learning experience for me. Prison was, uh, I, I was in prison nearly seven months following uh, a plowshare's action where we uh, hammered on and, and disarmed, decommissioned uh, uh, a, a lorry that carries nuclear warheads around, didn't have one on it at the time. Um, right. And um, I mean, that was, that was, that was difficult. Um, I mean, I think in, in the sense that, you know, monastic, yeah, traditional, you know, monastic life is supposed to be healthy, well obviously being in prison isn't necessarily to be recommended it's <laughs> sort of otherwise healthy way of life, but yeah. Um, certainly no holiday camp, is that, you know, to use yeah. the phrase. Um, on the other hand, it was certainly also, you know, I learned a lot from, from that experience, I'd say. Um, and it's something that, you know, you have, I think people have to be well prepared to, to, to undergo that. You know, it's not something you can go into casually or lightly or easily. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think the, the willingness to, to suffer for what you believe in is very important. Yeah. The willingness to sacrifice, pay a price. We kind of see it in, in the kind of Catholic worker tradition, we see it as part of the way of the cross, basically. Um, you know, Jesus um, did what was right, you know, tried to, you know, to, help, to help people in, in his life, and that included eventually confronting the, the powers of his time. 
and you know, he was you know, arrested, tried, convicted, and paid the ultimate price at his time. Yeah. And in our time, going to prison is the ultimate price that in, in our place and time that we're really like, going to like to pay. And so we see it as part of that non-violent resistance that Jesus, that's partly what the cross was, you know, mm. was part of the consequences of Jesus' part of non-violently uh, resisting the, the, the powers of his time. So we're kind of following that way, seeing it very much in, in those terms as part of the Christian vocation of discipleship. Mm. Um, that's very interesting. So just going to go back up for a minute then. So I'm just... So it sounds like your faith is very driven and that you have a strong sense of vocation yeah. and a strong sense of values. So in all of this, where, where is God in it for you in terms of intimacy and sustaining and, uh, and, and a nourishing spiritual life? Where, you know, where is God yeah. in all of this for you? Well, I, can't, I certainly can't do it without a, a personal prayer life um, and without, I mean, certainly as a Catholic, without the Eucharist without God's grace coming through the sacraments, um, through community, you know, the community of, that I live in here at the Catholic Worker, there's, um, with people working here with me, but also with the guests that we live with that show us how little we really understand in many ways. You know, people who are living here with refused uh, asylum seekers, people have had to flee their countries for... You know, and they've suffered a great deal more than I have, and a great deal more probably than I ever will, in terms of being locked up and being tortured and losing family members um, to security forces. And that's, you know, I think those things also really put things in perspective. Yeah. Um, but you, I think you know, I need we all need to, to, to do something. You need a community of, of a, a kind of a community behind you. You can't do it on your own, and that's you know, God. He's with us, you know, we're two or three gathered together, you know. Yeah. I'm with you, as you said, and um, that has to be part of it as well, I think. Right. Um, and, yeah, it certainly helps being part of a, of a movement like the Catholic Worker that's international and has, you know, 60, 70, 70 years of uh, tradition behind it of, you know, of understanding these things and working out, yeah. you know, what, what it means to be a Christian in these contexts. Um, and how we understand and how to read the Bible. So certainly, you know, reading the Bible is a great is a great help because you see that so many so many of the characters in the Bible have been down the same paths as well. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not doing anything new. Yeah. You know, the prophets, the Old Testament, the, the first Christians, Jesus. You know, that there were so many people, you know, uh, in conflict with the the kings and courts and princes and, and whatever, the seasons of their time. Well, that neatly leads on to my, my next question. I, I, you, you are a, an ordained Roman Catholic priest. That's right, yeah. um, Now, given all this resistance uh, to princes and power, um, there seems to be a, a kind of conflict that you must have to hold between the world of Christendom in, a, in terms of allegiance to the Pope mm-hmm. um, and your bishop um, and more of your kind of post-Christendom values of direct action how do you hold those two things in tension being a priest and an activist um i mean i guess on, on one level uh my faith is in god not the church <laughs> um <laughs> so how, however recognizing that you know that the, 
you know, that got that Jesus did found a church. Uh, I believe, you know, Jesus did found a church. And, you know, obviously I was, I was brought up a Catholic, so I have, I'm coming from that, from that experience and from that tradition. And, you know, I think that, um, uh, yeah, well, I'm, okay, I want to put it one, one simple way. I remember this guy came to me once when I was working in a church full time. And he was going to Pentecostal church, and he said, "Well, who started your church? Who founded your church?" Like, um, I think about that for a minute. I thought, "Well, I think Jesus did actually." <laughs> um, so uh, I kind of, you know, I know that the church is uh, is a human institution which has all the failures of human institutions, but it's also divinely inspired mm. and guided, and um, so that, and that's where I am, really. You know, that's where it is, and I have, have to live with that. Obviously, I'm a priest. I believe, you know, I believe that, that that's part of my vocation. That's my vocation too. And you know, you could, I certainly, certainly could argue. Some, you know, people have. I thought to myself, you know, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense within the rest of it. But you know, that's not. I don't see that. It's not primarily about relate being related to the institutional aspect of it. It's primarily about. Um, well, I see, I understand my priesthood as being about um, building up the community of disciples. Right. That's that's how I see my, my priesthood, and yeah. um, that's what it's about. And what, and, what, and that can be understood in lots of different ways. And um, you know, I think I mean, I believe the Pope has a role. Right? There's a Catholic sociologist I forgot his name, American guy said if there wasn't the Pope. We'd have to invent one um, as, a, <laughs> as a focus of unity for the church, and it doesn't. That's, that's not about you know the kind of temporal power that that, that can state and all that. You know that is mm. is it's in yeah from a place point of view, it's an accident of history, and yes. um, yeah, I, you know, in I, the Christendom thing, mm. I. I I guess you know, Catholicism in this country has been a minority interest uh, since long before I was born, <laughs> yeah. and I've always that's been my experience. I've not, you know, if I was living in Spain or France, I'm sure it'd be or Italy, I'm sure it'd be different. But I don't really experience it in in that way, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm, very very helpful. So just thinking about, do you think you've ever had to compromise the radical you? Because of the priest, you or is it, or is it you've been able to kind of hold the two intentions successfully? Um, I, I think looking back, not before I was a priest, when I was at seminary, um, when the poll tax was coming in, and I didn't really know a lot about what I could have done, but there were things I could have done then, perhaps which I, perhaps I didn't do because I was concerned about what might happen if I did, in terms of sort of joining in with um, you know groups preventing bailiffs and stuff like that. And, um, I didn't have to pay the poll tax. I didn't have to not pay it. I wasn't in that position. So, um, I would have, I would have refused to pay it. I think at that time. Anyway, but I mean, I think one of the interesting things for me actually is that when it, going back to the beginning of this whole thing, how I got into this stuff. Um, but actually, at some point early on, when I was thinking about can I do this? Um, can can I take on this whole commitment to peace and justice and and working in that way? I remember thinking that well, hang on a minute, if I'm going to be a priest, if I'm going to be a leader of the Christian community in some sense. I've got to, I've got to take this seriously. <laughs> yeah. So for me, if anything, I think perhaps 
for having the sense of vocation to ordain ministry has actually prompted me to take it more seriously rather than less seriously. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like you're a very passionate, driven person. I mean, do you do you ever get doubts in your faith, given given that we're in a current time of ecological and economic crisis where humanity seems to be completely addicted to consumption? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. How do you? What is your hopes and, and what are your fears for the for the future? Um, I mean, I guess I definitely you know get depressed at times about the the you know the state of the environment and what we're doing to God's creation um, and about the chances of us turning that around and the suffering that's going to result if we don't turn that around. Um, and I, I I think my faith in God is pretty strong. I don't I don't often get little question whether I'm whether that's right. You know. Um, I suppose I'm more likely to to wonder whether the specific things I'm doing are the right things, rather than to question the overall kind of okay. faith or um, or the overall commitment to peace and justice. Just just whether that's whether I'm doing the right things or whether we're doing the right things, whether there's something else better we could be doing mm. that would be of more use, you know, mm. um, or be more faithful. Um, yeah, I, I, the future looks pretty bleak. <laughs> you have to have hope, though. I mean, I think the environmental thing is the big thing. Um, I think that the positive side of that is that there is so much being done now, both in terms of political campaigning, awareness raising, and yes. so much money now being spent, a lot of money now being spent on, on kind of researching alternative ways of doing things, I guess ways of turning it around that, you know, quite, yeah, it's, it's got to be possible that we will find a way out of this. But at the moment, it's looking pretty bleak. Yeah. But then, you know, as a friend of ours would say, if you're, you know, if you're living in, I don't know, uh, Somalia, it's been looking pretty bleak for a long time. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of the questions there is whether we won't, as a first world country, we, you know, we've, we've got the, the, the money resources to defend ourselves against the consequences of climate change, whether we won't just um, hide in our, you know, gated communities and behind the EU fortress EU walls yeah. and and protect ourselves at the expense of the poorest yes. and protect our lifestyles and we'll be okay and that, that, that the, poor, the world's poor will you know, suffer and die in vast numbers possibly. And got yeah, and the creation as well, you know. But but we'll but we'll survive and we'll keep our to some some extent of our lifestyle going. This this is a possibility, yeah. I think. And we've got to be aware of the the dangers of that one. Mm. Um, so do I sense in you a kind of hope in the kind of restorative, transformative thing of God about God in terms of looking forward about God drawing all things into reconciled relation, like the whole cosmos being drawn back into restored health and relationship? Is that is that what drives you in terms of uh, your work and and what you're doing? Yeah, I guess it's got to be a, it's got to be. I mean, you know, one day <laughs> in millions of years' time, according to science, the world will end anyway. You know, it's got to end one day. Um, we have to, I think, live in in hope that that God is with us and is guiding the creation um, in some way, not without suffering. I think it says somewhere in the Bible. Um, 
I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose even in the immediate history, I sort of also think that, um, you know, kind of looking at a bit of perspective, you know, the Roman Empire collapsed and that was the end of the world for the people of, of that civilization. Um, Christianity uh, and went on and overcame and that. And the world has obviously gone on. Um, yeah. Whether the same kind, whether whether some kind of similar parallels could be drawn. I mean, people have been doing drawing that parallel for quite a long time. Mm. But this civilization maybe is undermining its own basis for continuing in this way. That doesn't mean that life won't continue. That human race won't continue. That the the, the, the creation can't recover. That you know that Christianity won't grow past this point in its history. Um, who knows? We don't know. All we can do is try and be faithful to the the vocation, the sense of call that God has given us, yeah. um, and plant seeds for the future. Hopefully, mm. I'm very struck from what you're saying um, ab- um, about church and change. Is that there's been quite a lot of writing at the moment looking at new monasticism mm-hmm. and, and looking how monasticism and groups of lay monastics in different forms have helped the church to recontextualise itself from one cultural epoch to another i'm very struck yeah. that you that actually the catholic worker movement is almost like a lay monastic community yeah and that what you're doing it feels to me is almost playing your part in helping shape the values uh, of, of what that future new epoch could look like so yeah so maybe what you're doing right and, and moot is a very small new monastic community um maybe what some of what we're about is about helping shape the kind of values of justice and mercy for what we hope culture will become in the next epoch and the church and Christianity finding a voice in it. Does that Yeah, quite, quite possibly. I can see the parallels, you know, I can see what you're saying. I, uh, I, I certainly can see that. Um, and it's, sort of, you know, it's almost, in terms of the Catholic worker, it's sort of ex- almost explicit in, in, in some of the, the writing from the, the, about what, what, what it's about, you know, um, building a new society in the shell of the old. Um, Peter Morin, the co-founder of Dorothy Day, talked about yeah. um, uh, kind of copying the, the the Irish monks of the fourth century, or whatever it was, going back, yes. you know, um, in in creating a new society in in that way. Um, and um, yeah, I think it, that still goes on. And I think, I, you know, I'm not, I don't really. I mean, I think the, the Catholic kind of. Um, Terminology for what is, I think, a similar phenomenon to what you call the new monasticism and the fresh expressions and all that is, um, well, as generally up to recently have been called lay movements, so the different movements in the church, right. um, now called a, perhaps ecclesial movements, just to say not just lay people, but yeah. people, you know, uh, ordained people and religious orders and that together as well, working equally together, but not uh, in, a, you know, in a more fluid kind of way more creative way, looking at you know, a whole range of of, of spiritualities and um, in Catholic language we talk about charisms and um, ways of living discipleship and community and, and um, ways of expressing that and certainly that, that, that seems to be a common pattern across you know, certainly uh, the Catholic world and, and the rest of the Christian world um, whatever you call it, it's there mm. and it's happening and that seems to be a movement of the spirit sign of the times, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
So just thinking about yourself now, though, just, well, this will be my last question. Um, how do, given, do you think you want to keep going on with this um, direct action stuff, or do you think at some point um, you will be kind of just custodian to it to try and encourage others to do it? Because it, it seems to me that you're growing into a kind of an abbot. <laughs> I might be completely <laughs> wrong. But in I terms don't know about that, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in terms of the Catholic, in the Catholic work, I mean... There's no, there is no central organisation. There's no kind of organisational structure, so there's no place for Abbott really. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't. I mean, I, I'm a priest as well. I'm a member of a religious order called the Passionists, uh, so yeah. I've got kind of belonging there as well. And so I, I can't kind of say I can't define now what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. However, I, I would envisage that. I think I think the direct action part of it will will always be part of whatever it is that I'm doing. I think um, be, partly because I do see it as part part of the way of the cross and uh, the passionists that I'm involved in. It. The, the cross is central to that that charism. So um, I think that you know this this is in a sense the thing that we're shortest of people to who are willing to make take those kind of risks and make those kind of pay those kind of price those kind of sacrifices is people who are willing to you know to take direct action to believe it's very powerful um both in a kind of practical way and also in a kind of in a sense of bringing faith to life um and a witness and so uh uh you know life goes through different phases you have different rhythms at different times but i think it'll always be part of my my sense of vocation to part of that to some degree or other. Okay. Um, certainly wanting to encourage more people to kind of take on this kind of discipleship of Nasby in the Catholic Worker Movement. But um, uh, as someone said, the kind of taking on the idea of uh, a resistant a resistance church, which is marked by. Um, uh, downward, downward mobility in life and community mm. and um, you know, direct service of the poor and resistance to injustice and violence, you know. Yeah. I hope, my, my specific hope from uh, would be to build up this kind of tradition in this country, really, this kind of rad- radical tradition mm. um, of discipleship. That's it, really. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you, Martin. Well, you, you said loads, Martin. I, I know that Moot want me to invite you to come along and speak with us one day, so I hope you yeah, would, would be keen to be great, do yeah. that, because I think we'd learn a lot from you. But I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're, it's really inspiring hearing your story and what you're doing. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, we wish you well, and um, hopefully there can be a continuing conversation. And, and as I say, I know that Moot would want me to invite you to come and talk about your work. That would be great. Thanks very much, Ian. Thank you, Martin. All right, bye. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. All right.